Welcome to Grow Up, where we are healing the child within us while respectfully and lovingly raising the child that's in front of us. Are you ready? It's time to grow up. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. My name is Amy, and I am the host of Grow Up, and today is Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to you all. I know um, Valentine's Day can be a hard one for a lot of people out there, and there's many people who dislike the holiday, and my heart goes out to you if you're hurting today, but actually it's one of my favorite holidays. Um, I actually love just the concept of spreading love. I think it's something that we all need more of and could use more of in society today, especially two years deep in this mess of a pandemic. And um, yeah, I just hope you are spreading the love today. Or if you can't do that, you're showing yourself a ton of self-love. And I think today's podcast will be perfect for you because we have an amazing interview lined up with Anna Holtzman, who is a chronic pain specialist and therapist. And we talk a lot about the mind-body connection and a lot about loving ourselves and healing that burden that we're all carrying around so that we can heal our chronic pain. Um, I know at first when I stumbled across Anna's account, I wasn't necessarily seeking it out because of pain, but in following her for a little while and seeing the content that she shares, I realized how relevant um, her message is for those of us on this platform as well. I think it talks about things that we can can apply and do better, and also it will touch on just the mind-body connection in the way that we are raising our child and raising our children so that they grow up with a healthy mind-body connection and don't end up carrying on more than they need to um, in terms of generational trauma. So without further ado, I will play that interview. But before I do, let me remind you that if you need to reach out, you can find me on Instagram at grow.up.ig, or you can always email me at thegrowuppod at gmail.com. Check this out. Hi, Anna. Welcome to Grow Up Podcast. Hi, Amy. Um, so excited to have you here today for all the listeners. Um, Anna is somebody that I started following relatively recently. I don't even really know how I stumbled upon your page. Thanks, you know, how Instagram works. You just end up scrolling through and finding little nuggets and um, Anna's page has been so profound for me, and I think it's going to touch a lot of you out there, not only as caregivers and parents, but just as humans and the kind of things that we carry around as we are reparenting ourselves and working through our own crap. Um, so yeah, um, Anna, do you want to just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, what you do? Give us a little background before we get diving into all the good stuff here. Sure. Yeah. And thanks so much for having me here, Amy. Um, yeah, my name is Anna Holtzman. I am a uh, chronic pain recovery therapist and coach, and I'm based in New York City in the borough of Queens. I live here with my partner and uh, our three orange cats oh, and, uh, and part-time <laughs> with my partner's 11-year-old daughter. And yeah, that's me. I don't know. What else? <laughs> right. I know. It's such a weird thing when you have to like kind of introduce yourself. Right. Um, I know it seems kind of, I know at first, like 
you know, I'm thinking like, what's the connection between pain and like what we're doing on the grow up podcast, you know? And Mm. I think that's what was so profound when I found your page is that finding that there is a total connection between the stuff that we carry around in our backpack, you know, of our emotional baggage or the things that experiences we've collected over our lifetime and things like chronic pain, like headaches, like any of those things that I think a lot of us deal with and we might not even know it's connected. And I know in just talking to the community at Grow Up and different polls I've done, I've heard so many people say that they struggle with anxiety as I do. I've also struggled with depression in my life. Um, I think just talking about, I mean, we're all in a pandemic. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a collective trauma that's happening right now. So whether we've experienced other traumas in our life, or we're just going through traumatic experiences right now in the face of the pandemic, I think that your message is just so profound and so timely. Um, and so I kind of want to talk a little bit about that. Like, how did you come into this kind of specialization? How did you find this passion for this work? Yeah, great question. Thanks for asking. Um, So like a lot of people who work in this niche of chronic pain recovery, I came into it through my own experience with chronic pain. It's actually something I really love about working in this particular niche because there are there are a lot of other areas of like the healthcare and mental health world where um, the attitude is kind of like, you know, I'm the expert and I'm going to treat you, you know, whether or not I've had a similar experience. Um, it, it seems to be that in this chronic pain recovery world, most, most people, practitioners in this field came into it through their own experience with chronic pain. And that was definitely true for me. So, um, I've had a bunch of different careers. I worked in television, editing reality TV shows for oh, a wow. decade. <laughs> so different, right? Totally total shift. <laughs> I know. I, I kind of love that it's just like such a different world from the therapy That's wonderful. World. Yeah, for sure. Yes yeah. and no, though. I guess reality TV and therapy might go hand in hand more than we they realize. Do. <laughs> they honestly do. I mean, you're like, you're just looking at human behavior up right. close and analyzing it in both of those fields. So mm-hmm. yeah, I do see a lot of connection. Um, and uh, so my, I've, I've had it, like now that I'm deep into this work, I'm much more aware that like I've had all kinds of different expressions of mind body symptoms at different points in my life. But the one that really grabbed my attention in a way that I could not ignore was migraines. And I got my very first migraine on my very first day of my very first job editing reality TV. So it was totally clear to me right from the start. In my case, it was very clear that this physiological symptom was related to emotional stress. I mean, it, you know, it was obvious <laughs> that you had the self-awareness so early on to go, what's new in my life with this new symptom. Oh, it must be from the stress of this new career. That's incredible. Well, it, it was not much of a leap at all. It was, I was on my first day. I was having a full on, like I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it a panic attack, but it was like a major anxiety episode. I could barely breathe. I could barely function. Um, I had to just like, you know, take a walk out of the office and I got, and then I got this massive headache. So it wasn't like, there weren't really that many dots to connect in my case. That's not true for everyone. Is that something that like, 
you know, the saying like the straw that broke the camel's back, like, is that kind of what that was for you? Like that kind of anxiety episode that you were having, was that like your first manifestation where you're like, wow, do I struggle with this? Or is that something that you knew you kind of had some anxiety, but that time with the headache, it was like just something that you couldn't ignore. You know, well, one thing I do want to say is like, everyone has anxiety. It's not like the thing that Oh, I have that. It's like part of the human experience. And some of us experience it in a more pronounced way than others, for sure. Um, but, but no, I mean, looking back, I, there were certainly anxiety episodes I can remember in my childhood. I wouldn't have put that language to them in childhood. Um, but yeah, I mean, now, as I said, now that I'm like deep into this work, I can look back at different life experiences and see them through a different lens. Like one that pops to mind is I switched schools in um, when I left elementary school and went to middle school, I switched schools and I was super, super nervous to, um, to go to a new school where I didn't know anyone. And I got a massive stomach ache on the way to school I didn't think there was anything unusual about that because it's kind of like common knowledge that you can get a stomach ache when you're nervous. Um, mm, but yeah, I would say it was an anxiety stomach ache. I, I love that because I've talked about this on my podcast as well that I've realized, I mean, because of COVID, that was kind of like the equivalent to like your headache situation where all of a sudden I was having panic attacks and I'm like, what is happening? And then I realized that like, oh, wait, this is, this is like the physical manifestation. And I realized now, like you said, you didn't have the language before, but now knowing that that's something that does really is very pronounced in my life, my day-to-day life. I'm like, oh my gosh, I look back and I'm like, that was anxiety. And that was anxiety, but like, I didn't know that that was. And so I love the fact that once you have that kind of bird's eye view a little bit of like, what does that even mean? What is the mind body connection? You can kind of look back at your life and go, wow, I've really been stuffing some of this stuff down and finding coping mechanisms, which most likely weren't probably the healthiest because you didn't know what you were dealing with. So you weren't taking out the proper care or the most efficient, you know, way of, of expressing those, those feelings. And it just shows you like, wow, I have really been carrying this for a long time. And I know for me, I, I mean, with the bigger trauma in my life when I was 15, when I lost a sibling, but even Mm. more so, I even go back farther of like, I think the patterning of my, I was always like a very empathetic kid who soaked up a lot of feelings from everybody and felt a lot of pressure to like, you know, hold space in my family to, you know, kind of be a pillar for people or not make too many waves to put too much pressure on people. And all of that is simmering anxiety too. And it's like how many layers upon layers I've built that in my life to the point where, you know, then you're having panic attacks at age 35 and you're like, oh wait, okay. This isn't just because of COVID. This is something that I have had in my life that has just, you know, been layering and layering to the surface till it pops out. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And you know what I would say, the perspective that I now, you know, think of when I look back over all these experiences in my own life where I was like, I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know why I feel this way is the thing that every single one of us has been navigating our whole entire lives is that we live in this kind of broad collective culture 
that's a very emotion negative culture, you know, mm-hmm. it's a culture that um, doesn't make space for this, this just like innate uh, biological function. You know, it's like as if, as if peeing and pooping were not allowed in our culture, we would wind up with all these crazy symptoms and we'd be like, well, why am I feeling this way? Because we've been told that we're not allowed to pee, pee and poop. So we're not sure why we're feeling this way. Well, right. we've, you know, I don't know anyone who's escaped this culture of, you know, don't get angry or like, oh, don't be sad. Or are you getting so excited about that? Or you're emotional and that's being used so as sensitive. Right, right. right. Yeah. Having emotions is something we're conditioned not to allow ourselves, but our biology is designed to have emotional energy flow through us. So we're very much in conflict with that biological function. And it manifests in lots of different symptomatic ways. It can manifest as anxiety. It can manifest as pain. It can manifest in all these ways that are basically like alarm bells saying, hey, there's something going on here and it does need to come out and be addressed. Yes. Oh my gosh. I just had like 10,000 light bulbs, you know, like every, like so many different things that you said. I love that you went as far as to connect it to peeing and pooping, which I'm mm-hmm. sure anyone out there is like, what? Like, okay. That, you know, that's <laughs> no, it's not because I think the shock value in that is that would be ridiculous. If we were told we couldn't pee or poop, how can you stop yourself from doing those things? And that's exactly the point of what you're saying. Yeah. The fact that we've been told that like, it's like trying to stop yourself from throwing up when you're sick. I mean, it's going to come up. It's just going to happen, you know? And it's like, yeah. but we've yes. been taught that somehow being, I always talk about this, like the quote, good kid, meaning the mm-hmm. easy kid with no needs, who doesn't cause waves, who doesn't have the big feelings, who do, like, who just is like in the middle. And that's not the way that human beings are designed. I mean, and it's the same way, like you walk in a forest, you don't look at different trees, like, oh, that one's taller than that one. And that one's fatter than that one. Like everyone's got their own individual makeup. And that's the whole point of humanness, right? So to tell somebody, don't express your sadness, don't express your, you're being too happy. You're being too loud. You're being like, I've even um, recently talked to somebody that was saying, like using certain language in their home because it made like they were very intelligent and they said oh when you speak like that to your relatives it makes them feel stupid so you need to talk to their level like things Uh like that and and what that implies shame wise and you carrying this burden of not being your full true authentic self with all of your range of humanness to preserve someone's feelings or to not trigger somebody else's baggage and like you said, that's as silly as holding in your bodily functions. Like you should be able to. It's as damaging as the yes. holding in bodily functions. Yes. Yeah. Good point. Like exactly. It's, it's, it manifests in other ways. And I guess that's like in all of your posts that talk about the mind body pain, that's what you're talking about, right? That it's the yeah. physical manifestation of the emotional weight that we're carrying. Is that kind of what it is? It's, it's the tension between having emotions, which is just how we're designed. All of us have emotions, just like all of us yeah. <laughs> need to be in poo and all that other stuff. It's the tension between having emotions and having this external social conditioning and the internalization of that social conditioning 
that's trying to make the feelings stop. And so like that throwing up example is a great one. It's one I use to communicate this to clients all the time. Another one that I heard someone else use recently as um, like, you ever have that experience where you're, you feel like you're gonna cry, but you're in a social situation where you feel like it's not okay? All the time, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's a very similar physiological experience to when you've got to pee, but you're nowhere near a bathroom, right? You feel that emotional energy that is trying and it, it just irrepressibly is moving upward and it's trying to come out. Mm. And, you know, just imagine what that feels like for people listening. Like if we've all had that feeling and now imagine what it feels like. And I'm sure you felt that all felt this too, to just like tense up and hold those tears in. There's a lot of tension in the body and it can be painful. Mm. And you're right. Cause you think about the magnitude of the energy or the feeling and what the energy of that brings the amount of strength, which manifests even physically like a headache or tension in the shoulders or, or a stomach ache, the amount of physical like strength and clenching that that takes yeah. to withhold the magnitude of that emotion, yeah. I'm sure is what brings about that, that tightness and that, like you said, that, that clenching idea, like even just like thinking about like squeezing mm -hmm. your fists and it's like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like, I, cause I, I instantly thought of when you try not to cry, what happens without even thinking of it, your chin starts to shake, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're quivering yep. or I'm thinking of, um, even like trying to hold in a cough, like when your, your throat kind of feels like it's spasming or, yeah. you know, anything like that, that you're like, oh my gosh, when I try, or like, even if you have to pee and you can't find a bathroom, what does your body start to do? You start to wiggle, you start to bounce, you start to rock side to side because your body is doing everything that it can to keep it in. And it's funny, right. you don't, I guess for me, I've always thought of, you know, you have your emotions and then you have your physical and you don't realize how quickly you kind of like code switch or whatever. Like they're, they're so interconnected that they don't, totally there's no breath there. They just- like I have to cry and then I start to quiver or I have to cough and my throat starts to spasm or like, it just, it just goes together. And it's so interesting you saying that, like that idea of holding it in physically, even though it, it's an emotional thing that you're keeping down. That's just, that's fascinating. Yeah. Cause emotions are physical as well as, you know, mental and emotional. It's... Can you like expand on that idea? Cause I think for me, I'm like, they are like, wow, I thought emotions yeah. were kind of like what's inside. So explain the physicality maybe of the emotion. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and of course you and me and everyone else, like we've been conditioned to be so dissociated from our emotions. So of course we're like disconnected from the, this idea that there's like a physical component to our emotions. And, um, and it, like something I like to talk about with clients is imagining how animals show their emotions because like cats and dogs, you know, they don't have all this social conditioning that we've been bogged down with. How do you know when a dog is happy? Is it because the dog is telling you with words that their mind is feeling happy? Wow. 
<laughs> I think you just blew my mind because you're right. You think about a, a living creature who experiences, you know, happiness, sadness, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like I'm picturing my cat, right? And I'm like, my one cat is an anxious cat and she licks her belly over and yeah. over and over. And then she gets a sore and it's like, oh my gosh, or like biting your nails, I guess, yeah. right? Would that be right. like an anxiety thing? Or I, I'm a um, clencher. I clench my jaw. I grind my teeth. Absolutely. Uh, um, I have to physically, I mean, I would almost venture to say that at least 50% of the day, my jaw is tight. I mean, that's how much, and I don't even know, or my tongue is pressed to the roof of my mouth. Um, And it's, that's so interesting because you're right. It is, that's a physical, but I love that you go so far as to like, I mean, to show with the animals, because you're right. They don't know that sadness is quote bad, like, like, right. Right. They just, right. They just are. And, and we know when they're sad, like, how do we know that it's because we can, while we see their body posture, we innately know what the body posture of sadness is. Mm. And we know what it is in people. Like you can recognize when a person's sad, even if they're saying like, no, I'm fine. Like, you know, when found, I think in the realm of parenting, or caregiving or being, or I mean, honestly, even friendship, just partnering in general, because I'm thinking how often, especially with children, we expect them, like I'm 35 years old. I expect my four-year-old son to come like, tell me in a 35-year-old way about mm-hmm. his emotions instead of realizing like, I mean, I obviously I realize it's not possible, but the point is showing it physically is as effective and as equal as verbally saying I'm sad. So like, why can't we take those visual cues from our child when they're showing anxiety or showing happiness? Like, it's just, it just shows you how valid, even like you said, the physical presentation of emotions is, and Mm -hmm. it's just as valid to key into your child and connect with them to gauge those emotions as it is to have a conversation. And my son is somebody who's very spirit and very sensitive. And the sensitive part of that is if I try to just have a vulnerable point blank conversation, how does this make you feel? He won't respond to me. That's too direct. But if we kind of get playing and, you know, or for him, it's like, he throws things when he's angry. I don't have to say, are you feeling mad? Of course he's feeling mad. He's showing me he's mad. So I can cut to the chase and say, I, I can see you're so mad right now and how validating that can be to kind of skip that verbal step for some children. Cause to say it sometimes is too direct, but just to have a parent that cues into their physical manifestation of their emotions versus trying to make them emote verbally when that's not the kind of kid that you have, or that's not their capability in that moment. Yeah. Or just with a partner or with anybody, you know, have being able to or how about with yourself? With yourself. Right? Would that be profound? Oh my oh, god. That. Yeah, how let's about talk about that? that. Can you like speak to that for a little bit? Because you're right, I didn't even consider with my own self. <laughs> yeah, because like, you know, I I always harp on this a lot because I think it's something that is so normalized that we're not aware it's going on, that we have this social, like cultural conditioning. We're, we're not born disconnected from our emotions and our body. We're not born being like, oh, I don't know what I feel, or I don't know what sadness looks like in my body or feels like in my body. Like we're born just experiencing all of that. And then we start getting taught and trained from a very young age to disconnect from it. Like, oh, you're feeling sad. Just ignore it. 
<laughs> Not a big deal, right? Like quiet down. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So we develop this like fear response to our own emotions. You know, it's like, oh crap, I'm going to get in trouble if I even am awake to this emotion. So we, well, I'm a, I'm a burden if, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh wow, that's big. And then that is so profound from a parenting lens of how important like let's talk to that maybe a little bit too like like with parenting styles and things like that because I know you know as research comes out more and more and parents are waking up to this idea of not doing the authoritarian approach um we actually just had an interview on the podcast with Hannah and Kelty of upbringing who do a lot of parenting for you know sanity and social change and talking about not the top-down control-based parenting but the collaborative you know um, parenting with your child and respecting big feelings and, and respecting your child where they are. And like, I mean, obviously there's a huge connection with the way that we're raising the next generation and, and how we're allying with them to understand themselves and get their own needs met versus saying don't have needs. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the, I'm just like jumping back. So you had asked like, how do we like, how do we reparent ourselves emotionally? Mm-hmm. How do we help ourselves to unlearn that social conditioning of you're not allowed to have feelings and, and like reconnect with ourselves and our emotions? So speaking of chronic pain, yeah. um, like that chronic pain is one of the ways that our emotions can speak to us if we're not listening to them. Like if we're not in touch with our emotions, if we're not, you know, if there is an open communication between our emotions and our mind, our emotions will grab for our attention in louder, louder, and more annoying and hard to ignore ways. So, you know, something that I share with clients is there's like a, there's a chain of communication starts off with usually with a need, like maybe we're having a need for rest or a need for connection or a need for self-love or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been conditioned to ignore this need. So we ignore it. So then the need sends a signal in the form of an emotion. Maybe it's like sadness or longing or something else. And we've been conditioned to ignore that. So that goes unheard. And so the emotion picks up a loudspeaker called anxiety, which I also describe as fear of emotion. And the anxiety will try to grab our attention with like a racing heart and, you know, feeling like deer in the headlights or however, you know, it can manifest so many different ways, sweaty palms, um, just spacing out. I'm experiencing it a little bit of it right now because I get nervous when I'm being recorded. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is. Um, And then if that's not getting our attention and that's not getting us to like sit down with the feeling and the need and, and tend to them, it'll pull the alarm break and that could be a migraine or that could be a back spasm or that could be fibromyalgia pain you know or it could be a a food sensitivity that just like stops everything down wow that is 
that's just mind blowing. I'm sure that I am not alone in hearing that and going, oh my God. Well, I'm just thinking like, oh my God, it's me. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's, it's all of us. It's, it's, yeah, it's so many people. But it right manifests in different ways for each of us, yeah, for yeah. sure. And, you know, for some of us, like pain symptoms are really pronounced. And there are plenty of people who don't, you know, have pain, any pain symptoms that are like big enough to get their attention, but they've got something else going on. I guarantee it. Sure. And even like, even with like an IBS type presentation or things like that. And it's so funny because I mean, this is even myself included, how quickly we jump to like, oh, I need to go into my doctor to have them treat this. Right. I'm having stomach issues. I'm having heart palpitations. I'm having headaches. And like, we go for like the physical, like what's wrong with my body's functioning, right? Yeah. And it's like we don't ever think, I mean, now we'll think this, or you obviously do, but a lot mm-hmm. of our society has been trained not to think about the mental and like what, what that could be manifesting from like, cause I think to myself, okay, if I have a stomach ache, like, what did I eat? What did yeah. I, like, you know, am I not, did I not get enough good food? Did I have too much junk? Did I like eat too many sweets? Did I like, you know, did I drink not enough water? Like I, you know, you go to that without thinking, am I feeling stressed out? Am I feeling nervous? Yeah. You and know? it's no wonder that we don't go to that because like, think back over your life experiences, Mm -hmm. when you've had an emotion that needed tending and you've brought it to someone, like how many times was that welcomed? How many times were, you know, was it validated? How many times did some, was someone sit with you and say like, oh, I'm right here. Wow. You know, I really get that you're feeling that way. Mm -hmm. Just sit with you and allow it and be that that anchor to sit near you so that you can just allow the feeling to move through you. How many times have any of us experienced that? Mm, Yeah. Versus how many times have you come to someone with like, you know, I've got a gash in my, in my skin, I've got a broken bone. I've got like um, a virus. Sometimes even that's ignored. Unfortunately that happens too, but there's a higher percentage chance that someone's going to pay attention. So it's almost like in that moment, you're receiving the nurturing via a physical caretaking, like a band-aid, for instance, like you got a yeah. cut and your, your caregiver gives you a band-aid and you're like, I'm cared for check. I'm nurtured yeah. check. But in reality, you know, it's like, you know, what you need is really like the, the bandaid for the internal, you know, but no one's really seeing the internal, like there, it's so much easier to get those same emotions or that cup filled by it being filled by something more concrete when you can feel like somebody's getting like, they're, they're, they're doing the concrete thing. Like you have a broken arm and I put a cast on it and then you feel that love or you feel that safety, right. Or something like that. Is that kind of like what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because physical is more valued in yes, the right. we're swimming in. Yeah. Wow. This is just that. I mean, it makes so much sense when you say it like that. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, you're right. And I think in a parenting lens, I'm like, for me, that's probably because of it's like the, it takes the guesswork out of it. 
right? Like when you have a kid who's coming to you like emotionally and you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Because- I've never had an example of this shown right. to me. I think I've realized, yeah, I've realized in the parenting realm that like the way I've kind of been provided for is fixing. Right. Not with, and, that, and, and I get it and everyone does the best that they can. And I have very loving parents, but it's like, okay, you have the problem here's how we fix the problem. But no one has just sat with me while I'm right. sad about the problem. And isn't it interesting that like, yeah, I can relate to this. I think most people can, because it's been in the culture for generations is that having an emotion is viewed as a problem to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point. Yeah. My, even my verbiage you're talking about it, you're right. Calling it a problem. And yeah, just- going back to like that silly analogy of like, it's like, as if you had to pee and the response wasn't like, oh, here, like, here's a toilet you can sit on. And yeah. Like, oh, how do we get this to stay inside? This yeah. is a problem. It can't come out. Right. And it's funny. Cause like, sometimes I'm realizing literally now as a 30 something year old adult that sometimes <laughs> this is crazy. Cause to me, I'm like, how am I just realizing this now? But you, you know, you can't be behind in your own life. This is the way mine's manifested. This is how I've come to this conclusion. But when there's a problem with my son, let's say, I'm just going to use him because it's an easy one, I think, for people to grasp with their own children or with their inner child. When there is a problem with, you know, something, he's having a struggle of some sort. It's not about getting the struggle to stop. Yeah. Like, that's something that really has been true for me as a parent. Like, he cries and I'm like, how do I get the crying to stop? And if it's not stopping, then I think that I wasn't affected. And that's not true because it's not about putting a bandaid on it. It's about sitting with somebody while they're having it and having them learn how to help their sadness, not in the way of fixing it and making me not sad anymore, but how can I literally sit in sadness and experience what sadness is like, or, or anger or, or happiness or anything like I think I've been so conditioned to be like problem equals find solution. Solution equals physical thing. He's crying because he can't find the toy. So I need to find the toy. So he's not upset. And it's like, that's not true. It's, it's parenting is like the, the support and like the scaffolding in the emotion so that they feel safe in the sadness or in the stress or in the worry and it's not taking it away and making them not feel those things, you know? And I think that's something that I'm literally learning currently because yeah. I realized for myself that I don't do that. I jump to like, I'm feeling upset. So how do I get this to stop versus just sitting in my sadness and experiencing and feeling it and, and getting curious about it and like stretching it and ex- exploring it. Like I don't do that. And it's like, how do I, how else would my body how do I expect myself to ever learn how to feel it? I just try to end it. Yeah. Know? And, and to maybe state the obvious, it's like, well, how, or why would you have figured that out earlier in your life? Like, this is not, I'm not sitting here being like, oh, that's weird. I've never heard of something <laughs> like that before. It's like, we're, we are part of a larger culture that is evolving. And so, you know, myself and probably everyone listening can very much relate to what you just described. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, it's so easy. And I think you talk a lot about self-love on your um, account, which I think is 
I mean, gosh, profound on a lot of levels, but just also something that I think as a collective society, we need so much more of. And I don't think it's something as, as surface as like looking in the mirror and going, I'm pretty, like, not like that self-love, but like that true, like we talk about offering our children an unconditional love and acceptance and that like radical unconditional love and acceptance for ourselves. And I think that all plays into this too, because how quickly I judge myself for not knowing more about my emotions. Like it's a journey that that's what life is. And that's what the whole podcast grow up is about. It's about taking these things in your life and looking at them and, and as an opportunity to change and grow and do better and you do better next time. And then you add that to your tool belt. I mean, it's not about, oh, I'm so behind because, oh my God, I didn't learn this yet. And how quickly as a society, we jump to that shame, you know? Fact. I mean, not only did we not learn this, but we did learn a whole bunch of other stuff that we're Mm. now having to unlearn. You know, we got, we were taught and our parents were taught and their parents were taught, you know, all of this uh, you know, children should be seen and not heard, uh, don't express your feelings. Like we've received all this training and we've, you know, whether we wanted to or not, we've all been very good students and we've absorbed it. Yes. And I think what comes up for there is kind of like the intergenerational trauma, right? Because yeah, like, I know my parents didn't actively treat me like that, but I also know that my mom's mom, so my grandmother treated my mom like that. Right. And so even though my mom didn't do that to us consciously, that was probably the voice in her head while she was parenting us, even if she was trying to actively break it. It's like, yeah, realize that like it's carried down and you carry these wounds forward. And even if you're not perpetuating it, if you're not actively, you know, looking into it and trying to heal it, that's kind of the lens that you're looking at everything through. That's like the pair of glasses you're wearing while you're trying to see your children, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not like an outfit of clothing that you can say like, Oh, I'm not going to wear this anymore and put on something different. It's, it's conditioning. So, I mean, you can think about it as similar. Well, for one thing, similar to racism and sexism, right? right? Like those are conditionings that have been in the culture for so long. So you know, hopefully a lot of us are trying to unlearn those things and we're working on it and it's a process. It's not like a decision that you make overnight. Another example that you could compare it to is like, um, a phobia, you know, let's say you were attacked by a dog, you know, when you were young, you're not going to decide one day, like, Oh, you know what? I realized that was just one incident and dogs aren't dangerous. So now I'm going to just be calm, cool, and relaxed every time I'm near a dog. Like, no, it's a process. Yeah. And that speaks again to like the mind body connection. Right. I mean, cause what would probably happen when you see a dog, you start to get the physical manifestation of fear. You get yeah. shaky, you get, a, you know, you get tense, you get sweaty yeah. palms, you start crying or whatever it is that is your fear, you know? And that's, God, again, it just goes back to my, me being like, oh my God, are emotions physical? Like, yeah, they are. Look at that. You know, like when you're met with that thing, that phobia or that deep fear, I mean, it's the same way. I mean, I know specifically with dogs, you hear people that adopt dogs from, you know, shelters who were abused. Well, if, if they, you know, they cower when you raise your hand or they, you know, and that's, that's just an instinctual. And I love, again, back to the idea of using animals to try to understand 
the body's tendencies because they don't know, but they don't know how to, to be socially affected. You know, like they're yeah. just going to be afraid of what they're afraid of or happy when they're happy or hungry when they're hungry. They're not going to just, you know, they have to go to the bathroom when they go to the bathroom. They don't, they don't have that ability to go, maybe I shouldn't inconvenience my mom right now. It looks like she's asleep. Like no one, they're not doing that. It's the same as a newborn. Like the newborn's like, I'm hungry right now. And you're going to hear about yeah. it, you know? Yeah. That, that word, I love that you used the word cower. I used that in an Instagram post <laughs> also because I think it's, it's a great example to use bringing it. I know we're kind of going all over the place, but bringing it's typical it back of me. Uh, <laughs> it's typical of me as well, Good. but um, bringing it back to the, the self-love or how we talk to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this one post that said something like, have you ever seen how a dog's body cowers when you yell at them? Right. Well, how many times a day are you yelling at yourself and what is it doing to your body? Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's big. And, and I wanted to share something to, to speak to, um, like, so, okay. So we've all got this issue and it shows up for us in different ways, but we're all dealing with this conditioning to not love ourselves, to suppress our emotions. How do we start to like relearn the connection with our emotions and to relearn the self-love that really we were born with. Um, And there's tons of different ways that we can go about this. The way that, that I'm most in love with is through journaling. I just love expressive writing as a tool. It's been for me, the, the most um, powerful tool that's helped me to get out of the migraine cycle. Cause I, had migraines for over 10 years. Um, and it's taken me quite a while, but, and I still do get head tension like on the regular, but I don't get full blown migraines anymore. Um, so one of the journaling practices that I do is this thing that, uh, you could call it inner child journaling Mm. where I'll journal in a dialogue, but a dialogue between what I like to call my higher self or sometimes my adult self and my inner child. You could call them whatever, you know, speaks to you. Those terms might not work for everyone, but I'll start with the voice of the higher self and I'll write down like, like it's like the script of a play, like higher self, like, hello, dear little one. I'm right here. I love you. How's it going? And then I'll write from, the inner child. And it'll say, oftentimes it'll say something like, I don't want to talk to you right now. That's oftentimes the first response. And then the adult self says, I totally understand why you feel that way. I love you. Is there more? And then the child says something else. And sometimes it's like, oh, thanks for asking. Or sometimes it's like, I don't feel anything or I'm angry you know, whatever. And then the adult self just keeps saying the same thing in response over and over again, which is, I totally makes sense that you feel that way. I love you. Is there more? And I'm curious, actually, just to ask you, like, how does that, like, what's it like to hear that pattern? Well, how does it feel in your body or what? I, that, I mean, 
it's huge. Um, one of the questions when you started talking about journaling, because I actually love to write also, it's been, I've always loved writing. Mm -hmm. And I used to even do like poetry and things like that when I was younger and I was good at it. I enjoyed it. It felt good. Um, yeah. I've always been someone who I think is very um, like introspective and I liked reflecting deeply on things like sometimes even beyond my years. And I felt like that was the best way for me to get it out. And and I have a, a huge pattern in my life of not feeling understood and seen and heard. And so for me, writing- Which by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt, no. but that is, that is the connecting um, theme in everyone I work with on chronic pain recovery and myself is this conflict between wanting to be seen, heard and understood and feeling afraid of, am I gonna get in trouble if I'm seen, heard? And wow. yeah. And I just feel like to me, I have a lot of things coming up right now too, because I'm thinking I used to, you know, people used to, oh, Amy talks so much. Amy talks so fast. Mm -hmm. um, and all these things are true. But it, when I hear when people joke about it and they're not saying it negatively, but those are things that when people bring those things up to me, those deeply hurt my feelings. Yeah, of and course. They don't mean to, but the, the thing with me is that comes up is you're not hearing the words I'm saying because you're focusing on how much I'm saying or how I'm saying it. And so sometimes writing for me felt like I could get everything out before people would like put a cap on me. Does that make sense? Like, it there's totally no makes sense. you know? And so I think the funny thing is though, and this is what I was going to bring up when you said journaling, I have some wild block I have mm -hmm. known for years that journaling is the key that would help me. I know that. I already know without doing it because I see the value in it. I understand the value in it. And it sounds like exactly what I need to feel seen and heard by myself. And I know that. Yeah. And somehow I cannot ever bring myself to sit down and just do it. And what I love about what, and I think that's probably a lot of things. It's probably not wanting to confront things. It's probably, I mean, some of it just straight up is laziness. Like I'm like, oh, my hand's tired from work. I cut hair. I don't really feel like writing right now. Like I have carpal tunnel, like it's a whole thing. But I, then I'm also like, I don't know, hearing you just verbally put it out there that like, I don't want to be doing this right now. Yeah. That to me, I know it sounds silly. Maybe to some people they're like, okay, why would you write that down? No, for someone like me that has a block that feels incredibly helpful and incredibly profound because by airing it out, it's like, I'm allowed to say, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. And it's like you making yours, not making yourself, that sounds so harsh, but um, encouraging yourself to do it anyway. And even just write yeah. down the fact that you don't want to do it is you taking a tiny little millistep in the right direction. It's like, and then the thing with me is I always joke that my inner teen or my inner child is an angsty teen. And mm -hmm. so I get a lot of inner resi resistance, even with anything with starting a new habit, I'm going to wake up earlier. And it's funny because I'll, I'll know it's good for me. And then the first yeah. thought behind it is, no, I'm not, you're not going to do that. I know you're not going to do that. You're not going to wake up early. You want to sleep in. And it's like, I have trouble sometimes breaking the cycle of the angsty kid in me that just wants to say like, I don't want to do that. Screw that. That's stupid. Yeah. And it's funny because I think journaling is like that for me. It's like, I somehow can't like it, I can't crack that inner teen a little bit enough to kind of go like, I know you don't want to be here and that's okay. Cause I'm here for you anyway. 
And I love that. And I think that's a huge profound thing for me is that unconditional love of self saying, I hear that you think it's stupid. I love you anyway. Yeah. Like that's why that, that right there. I'm like, that's the work. I mean, I just did the work. I just loved myself through my resistance, like boom. Absolutely. And I'll just describe what I experienced in my body. Cause I've like, I've spent, um, very much still on my journey, but you know, I've spent a while kind of tuning into how do I feel my feelings physically? So when I heard you say, um, you know, I don't want to do this right now. I love you anyway, that I love you anyway. I felt just this kind of like expansion in my chest and my shoulders dropped. It's like, oh, wow. Such a relief. (laughs) You said it to me the first time saying what you, that's exactly how I felt too. It was like this, like, oh, like, I don't have to perform. Like, I don't have to do this to receive my own acceptance. I can be accepted even if I'm not doing the task. Like I can just say like, you know what? You're not doing it. And I love you anyway. That's cool. Like, do you, I felt it again. I felt chill. Yeah. And I think maybe (laughs) I'm a, I'm a very, um, like, I don't know if anyone, if you've seen Encanto or if anyone's seen Encanto, like when I see the thing about like Louisa, right? Like caring, like being the strong person for the family and like being kind of like a people pleaser. And like, she finds her worth and like the strength that she provides and like, and that resonates so deeply with me. And it's funny. Cause I think that people pleasing aspect, when I hear that you're not doing the task, the task, let's say is journaling and I don't want to do it. Yeah. And I kind of guide myself to do it and sit down with the pen and literally just write, I don't want to do this. But even doing that is like breaking that people pleasing cycle. Cause I'm saying it's okay that you don't want to be the perfect journaler. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I'm thinking like, oh my God, if I journal, I have to do it this way. Or how, what am I going to write about? Like I get anxiety about starting my healing process. Like, cause I'm yeah. worried about not doing it right. Or I'm worried about like, and that's so common. Yes. Super like how, what? And it just, it, I think that in of itself is showing up and doing it imperfectly is breaking the people pleasing. It's yeah, it's, absolutely. I still love you. Do what you can. Yeah. And you know, um, so, so many people are avoidant of journaling. And for me, I was, I was like a full year into my like healing from migraines thing before I started journaling and I like I'd been hearing about it right as soon as I got into this work like I was hearing like yeah journaling is great and I'm like well okay but I'm not doing that um and and what what I've come to realize like since I finally then out of honestly desperation because I was like I got the migraines are still here I need something else um what what I've come to realize for myself, and maybe this will resonate with you, is that the my resistance to any activity that will elicit and bring up emotions, whether it's journaling or going to a therapist myself or opening up to a friend, my resistance is a fear that I won't be met with love and acceptance exactly how I am. That I'll be met with, you know, someone trying to fix me or myself judging myself or, you know, any of those things that we've all experienced so many times before. So we're expecting it. That's big. And I think you 
hit on something for me, not exact same experience, obviously. I think with me, it's not necessarily about knowing I would be supported or, you know, that, or like, you know, loved or feeling shame about it. It's more about just the fact that I would be unearthing my feelings. I think that's the fear. I think it's like, if I open this floodgate, when does the flood stop? What is the, where's the, what's the flood going to look like? Like what, like, what am I going to discover about myself? And can I, can I handle it? Can I work through it? Is it going to be too painful? I think there's, I'm realizing that in therapy too, there's like so much stuff and it's, it's been wild how much this, um, this consistent theme of like loneliness of like deep loneliness that I think I have felt that has been the underlying basis of me from childhood feeling no one really gets me. No one really understands it. I'm different than everybody. No one really gets that. And I don't, you know, I don't know why, or, you know, I haven't really gotten there yet, but it's just interesting. This like feeling of loneliness. And I'm wondering, is, is that my, is that my setback? Cause I always know I'm like journaling would help me tremendously. Mm-hmm. I already know that and I love to write. So there should be no problem, but there's some part oh, of me that's like, yeah. I'm not ready. I'm not, it's like, what am I afraid of? And it's just that it's fear. I think. Well, I relate to everything you just said. It seems that most people I work with relate to it too. And a question that I often ask is, is it the feelings that are really so scary or is it the expectation based on, you know, all of our past experience that we're going to be left alone with our feelings, that we're not going to have someone to anchor us sitting next to us saying, oh, it makes so much sense that you feel that way. I love you. Is there more? Wow. That's, that's big. Yeah. I don't know. I have to sit with that and think about it, but that's a really good, that's a really good question. Like it's like, maybe it's not the feelings. Maybe it's the aftermath of feeling that I'm like, and now, now what I'm, I'm raw. <laughs> is anyone there to support me? Like, yeah. Because feelings, feelings exist because they're expressing a need mm. and there can be so many different, you know, yeah. types of needs there. There could be like need for respect, there could be a need for acknowledgement, for, um, you know, connection, whatever. But I tend to think that there's this kind of broad umbrella over all these needs, which is love. Feelings want to be met with love. And if they're not met with love, they tend to feel shitty. Mm. And that's why I love your phrasing. Like, I love you. Is there more? It's so compassionate. It feels so soft and welcoming. Like, you know, it doesn't feel like, okay, are you done? Like it's, but it's like, I'm, I'm sitting here in love and I'm ready to listen to anything that you have to share. It just feels so, it feels like cozy. It feels like, if you, you know, honestly, this is going to sound weird, but it doesn't, it makes sense to me. Yeah. Um, I was very close with my grandma who was a very, very warm, tenderhearted person. And honestly, you say she's passed and I miss her mm-hmm. dearly. Um, she was the, probably my number one maternal influence in my life. And it's, it's interesting because I'm like, when you say that, I'm like, I feel like I'm talking to my grandma. Like, I feel like oh. I'm like, it does. It feels like I'm getting like a hug from my grandma. I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, there is more, you know? <laughs> and that's what feelings want. They right. want to be met in that way. And like the, the, the essence of your grandmother. Yeah. Oh my God. That's such, and I'm so visual. Um, 
And that's so interesting. So even just like, for me, I'm like, maybe I journal with my grandma, which sounds yeah. like, like maybe it's oh. like, grandma, you know, saying like, Hey, Amy, I think that'd be so- you know, cause that might feel yeah. like, I feel like that might make my inner teen soften. Like, Oh, it's grandma. Like I can talk to her. I think that's such until, an amazing until idea. I, until I can trust myself enough to maybe journal yeah. with myself, but Absolutely. Like, like, now it feels better. Even if I'm just picturing talking to someone I trust <laughs> to write that version, you know? Yes. Whatever or whoever elicits that feeling for you mm. in that. And I'd be super, if you do wind up trying that out, I'd be so curious to know yeah. how Totally. It was like a to be continued like yeah. podcast episode when, when Amy finally journals, she talks to Anna again. Oh my gosh. That's like incredible. I just, it's just wild to me. I, there's so many, so many golden nuggets of this conversation. I mean, I hope everyone else is getting the same thing, but I just feel like I got like a bonus therapy session for the day. So that was incredible to me. Um, I felt like I got to chat with a good new friend. Oh no, right? I know it's so wonderful, and I and I get that feeling of like, like you were saying in the middle of talking, like feeling anxious, and I totally get it when it's like you get on these podcast things and you're like, I don't know, like you kind of just go, and then you're like, feel like you're blacking out simultaneously, like as you're talking. It's, I, it's, I still feel that way, to be honest, and yes, like, yes. Yeah, I'm like. You know, just because I'm a therapist who works with chronic pain, it doesn't mean like, and yeah, I'm still in a human body. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm holding my breath. I'm holding my breath during this podcast. But there's something that, and this is another staple, I think, of what I try to convey at least or hope to convey on my platform is the authenticity of coming to the table not as this hierarchical like person that just her or whatever the word is hierarchical however you say that word um person that knows everything and is telling people who don't know anything it's somebody who's going through it someone who's in it with you someone that can speak to experience or at least can hold space for you because they understand what that feels like and that's what I love about you and your account like you are you're coming to it as somebody like you found this work because you experienced it you're sharing nuggets of things that work not only as somebody who is qualified to do so you know academically with the right credentials but also as a human being who is like this is what works for me and I want to share this with somebody in it and it's something as simple as journaling but it's something as hard as journaling as we just talked about the the way the body that mind-body connection that I mean, just the resistance I feel when trying to journal. I mean, that's again, back to the mind-body connection. Your body is like constantly trying to like, to like hold it in and not like, you know, and you're right because of the societal realm we're in that teaches us that those feelings are shameful, bad, too much. Our body reacts accordingly before we even know why we're not crying or why we're not expressing our anger or why we have a headache or why my stomach is acting weird. Like it's just such a profound thing, but I love that you come to it as a person who is human first, that you, you go through this and you're going through it right now, even though you're a, you're a, you know, a a person that we can go to as someone who leads the way, but you're still going, Hey, I, I get it because I'm there. And I think that is for me, the authenticity of that is exactly what fills my soul. Like that's what meeting people like that is just, that's part of the reason, like I find these certain accounts that I'm like them, 
that person. I need to talk to that person because it feels like a friend, like someone who gets it. And I just love that about you. And I just love that that's what you're doing with this podcast. When you reached out and I listened to your podcast, I was like, I'd love to come on and talk with you. Thanks. And I just try to keep it, you know, like just vulnerable and like a conversation with a friend. And that's what it should be. I mean, I think that's what we're all doing here. I think, you know, when it comes down to it, we're all just trying to do our best and no one really knows what they're doing half the time anyway. And (laughs) coming to the table and just sharing so we can all expand our tool belt is exactly what we all need to be doing, especially in these times right now, which are just absolutely crazy. But, um, to, so if someone's, you know, obviously listen to you, they're going to love you. Cause I just already know how this is going to be received. How, like, what can you offer? Like, I know you have your Instagram account. Do you have yeah. other ways that people can like reach out mm-hmm. to you? How can they find you? Yeah. Yes. Well, yes. I would love it if people would come and find my Instagram account. It's at Anna underscore Holtzman. That's A-N-N-A underscore H-O-L-T-Z-M-A-N. And I also have a website, which is annaholtzman.com. And um, on my website and on my Instagram, I have a quiz that people can take um, if you would like to get on my mailing list. And if you would like to find out about, um, I'm soon going to launch an online course that is on journaling. It's it's called uh, Writing to Release Chronic Pain. Oh, man. And yeah, if you want to get on my mailing list and get notified about that, um, you can take the quiz that's right on the front of my website and it's on my Instagram link in bio and it's called why the bleep am I still in pain? Yes. I love that. That's wonderful. And oh my gosh, sign me up for the, the workshop. Sign me up. I'm ready. I need to, oh, <laughs> I need it. Oh my gosh, this has just been wonderful. And I feel like I still have 10,000 more questions, but I also realize that we don't have all day. So um, uh, I would love let's do it again. <laughs> I was going to say, I would love to have you back on again. I, have I would love that we're going to get a lot of feedback here from people that are maybe have some questions and we can throw it out to listeners out there. If there's extra things you want to hear about with the mind body connection, check out Anna's page. If you have other, you know, questions about her work or ways to help heal your chronic pain, um, please reach out to Anna, reach out to myself. We'll try to schedule another interview or something alive or I don't know, something cool. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, still involved. Cause I, yeah, I still feel like I could talk to you for like 10 more hours. So yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Me too, but not consecutively because my mind system is like, you have had enough now. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I mean, that we had, that was a pretty intense, I mean, there was a lot of things covered in a small amount of time. So yes, paying attention to your body's capacity. And right now I feel like I need to put myself into the charger. Yeah, yeah, my fingers are tingling. They're like, you've been nervous for a long time now. <laughs> <laughs> SOS, right? Oh my gosh. Oh, thank you so much, Anna, for coming on. I, I truly so much, appreciate Amy. it. And I can't wait to keep sharing and collaborating because you're incredible. Me so. too. I love what you're doing. I love speaking to you. Oh, this has been so you. fun. Thanks. Oh, good. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Anna Holtzman. I don't know about you, but I feel like I may have just received a bonus therapy session for the week. In <laughs> um, listening back to that podcast before sharing it with you all, I realized, you know, just how 
profound the connection of everything that she's bringing to the table is. And I think that there's so much to be said for this work. And I really hope you give her a follow on her Instagram account and just dive into all the things that she is offering because I really think she's incredible. And I think it is such an important message that she's trying to get through to everybody. And yeah, I just realized in listening back how much work there is still left on my end to do with all of the inner work and all of the things that I'm carrying. And I think it will play a huge role in a lot of the different aches and pains and um, tension and the teeth grinding and the you know headaches and things that I also experienced just like she talked about so I'm very excited to start maybe focusing a little bit more on what my body is telling me and doing the work and I hope that you are too again if you'd like to reach out please do so on Instagram through dm at grow.up.ig and always shoot me an email if you need to at thegrowuppod at gmail.com And remember, Anna's Instagram is at Anna underscore Holtzman, and I will put that in the show notes. You can definitely check her out, too. Keep doing the work. Have a happy Valentine's Day, everybody, and I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.